Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. I ask you to release your spirit in this time. We ask that you would, uh, that you would make us giant killers. We ask that you would make us into people so filled with victory in uh, who we are that we fear nothing and that your will is done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all are good looking out there. Do you guys have an extra bulletin? Do you have a bulletin? Can they borrow yours? It's for, it's for you. This is, this is your job. You crumble that up. Just keep it with you. And I have so much good stuff to go through this morning that if you see me going down a road, you throw that at me. Okay? That way, because I've got to get to the end on this. It's so good. I'm serious. Can you handle that weapon or do we need to give it to somebody else? Okay. If you throw that, I move on. Okay? Okay. You'll do it, right? <laughs> well, y y it can't be now. <sighs> so good. Okay, so I think this m just might be the last message in the spiritual warfare series that we're in. Um, can... Uh, who knows? You would know, Joy. <laughs> when was the first uh, message in this series? Because you were the one busting me saying I did this last, last October. And I was like, I did? Yeah, and you're right. I went back and looked. It's just amazing you remember that. Anyway, I think like two months ago, I think it's pretty close to that, um, we started this series. And you remember I said there were two things that we fight. And so, right, what's our identity? We are those that cross the bridge between a spiritual, uh, a physical realm and a spiritual realm. When the Lord was asked, how should we pray? Um, he said, pray like this, pray that the will of heaven would come to earth as it is in heaven, right? And we, we are those people. We are God's, God's plan for the spirit through us to bring the will of heaven to this place, to bring that victory. Right? And I said, in this spiritual war, we fight two things. Who's got it? Can you think back that far? Mountains and giants. Okay. I thought my next message was going to be giants, and now we're two months later, and we're, we're finally going to do it. We're going to become giant killers this morning. But I want to remind you before we even start, let's just put this out there. What are the mountains? Not what we readily think, right? Y'all got this now. The mountains, when Jesus said, first of all, what does it take to move the mountains? Faith. The faith of a mustard seed, like the smallest amount of faith moves mountains. And mountains were a slang term in their time for Pharisees are those religious leaders that laid down legalism, religious law, ways of thought that in the scriptures where it says um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, Right? Um, and those weapons are for what? For bringing down the strongholds, and it goes on to say the, the thoughts, the reasonings, the high things that are set up contrary to God, right? And so I hope this is ringing a bell, that you're all remembering this, even though it was a long time ago. Um, those things are the, the mountains. When Jesus said faith moves mountains, he was talking about that. Religious bondage, thoughts that are contrary to the way that he thinks. I think we normally think the mountains are what giants actually are. And there is two very different ways in this warfare that you approach them. Giants, well, actually, I'm going to spare that because we have to start in love or we'll interpret everything wrong, right? So we're going to start in the love of God. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going we're gonna to look at giants. So turn with me to Romans 8. And um, we're going to start there. This is how he thinks about you. This is God's game plan. Do you know you are his game plan? He's nuts about you. Nothing but good plans over you. That's his game plan. That's how he wins. And here it is, verse, uh, did I give you the verse? Okay, Romans 8, verse 18. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Remember we said Jesus actually learned obedience through suffering. Isn't that weird? Jesus learning. We also say this all the time here. What, where are we going? We're going from glory to glory, right? This is beginning to talk about that, that um, the sufferings of this present time um, cannot be compared with the glory that's in you. What's that saying? There is glory in you that you don't even know about yet. Glad somebody said something. Give me five. <laughs> There's glory in you that is yet to be revealed, which is what this is going to talk about next. Verse 19 going on says, for the earnest expectation of the creation. Now let me stop there. And I know we often think, you know this verse. This is the verse that says all creation groans and waits for the sons of God to be revealed, right? This word creation, we think of, we're mountain people, so we think of like nature and splendid mountains, and believe me, it is that. It's not wrong to think that. But in the language, in, in the original intent of this writing, creation, it's talking about what we've been talking about for two months. That's the physical realm. Creation refers to everything made that has been made, okay? It's the, it's, it's beginning to talk about us as being that bridge between the physical and the spiritual, even in this passage. Creation is us bringing the will from a spiritual reality into a physical realm, bringing that victory. That's what this is talking about, not just beautiful mountains. Everything, everything you touch as a physical being for the glory of God. That's a high calling. That's your high calling. Okay, so for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. You know you're being revealed. God's plan for victory is your revealing. I'll move on even though you're so quiet. God's victory, God's plan for victory is your identity reveal. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. I'm going to move on so he doesn't throw that paper wad with me. We could talk about that for a while. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Now you want to hear the game plan? How's that happen? How does the bondage of corruption get released in this physical place where you live? It says just next, into the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. You got it? So as you are becoming free, as your identity is being set free, so the physical realm is coming into your freedom. That's God's plan for victory. That's Christ being fully formed in you, right? Are you feeling loved? Am I doing okay? Because the most important thing is we've got to start in love. If that doesn't make you feel loved, then you're, you're probably not listening good enough. <laughs> you are God's plan for victory. He delights over you as his plan for victory. As you are revealed... We win. His plans win. Your true identity. That's love. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also who have uh, the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. In other words, there's a reveal going on. You're being revealed. Now, I want to tell you that as we go into that second element of what we fight in warfare, giants, they are all about your reveal. He loves you like that. You know, nothing happens that he doesn't allow. That can be a painful thought sometimes, but I'm going to show you where the word of God is, is um, specific and adamant about the fact that that's what giants are for. What are they for? Your reveal. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That treasure. That is code for your true identity being revealed. 
Okay. Are we good? Doing okay? Okay. Let me put out a definition for giants. And then we'll move into some scriptures about them. Um, Giants are the big scary things, the impossible things that just kind of stand out there in your way. The things that never go away. The stinky things that get stinky. You got—is this resonating with anybody? That's giants. And in, um, in the past, when you've read the scripture about how the faith of a mustard seed moves the mountains, have you ever thought that that scripture was talking about that? That's well, not. That's that's thought contrary to God. Giants are those issues. Um, those things, that issue that stands in front of a church that keeps us from moving where God's calling us, or that that problem, that big, scary, impossible thing that, that sits in a marriage between where you are and the glory he wants to take your marriage into, or that, that, uh, that problem um, that your children are facing for parents that you just, it's big, scary, ugly, can't seem to overcome it, and it's just sitting there in the way. That's giants, okay? Far different than the mountains, and that's what we're going to look at. So um, to do that, um, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, and we're really going to start digging the study now. This is a warfare verse, and it's not going to look like we're talking about giants, but trust me, I'm going to show you, we're talking about giants. It says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Does that sound like, already, sound like moving from glory to glory? God's plan for you? Who's going into the next glory? And then the next one? That's it. That's the game plan, that he may exalt you. That's the goal. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Now here it is. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I know you've heard this before. but um, So what does that say our adversary is doing? He's walking around roaring, right? But it's for an intention. It's to seek who he can devour. Right? How does roaring allow your adversary to seek who he can devour? What does roaring accomplish? It's scary, right? It, the, the roaring, does it actually accomplish anything unless you let it? I'm going to show you how that's giants, this roaring, okay? Roaring accomplishes nothing. What do giants, I dare you in the word of God to find one place where giants accomplish something. Can you think of one? What do giants accomplish? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) They're big, scary, impossible. They stand in front of you. They, They amount to a roar in the word of God. And they are purposely there. I'm going to show you that. Okay. Seeking whom they may devour. Um, It says, steadfast in the faith. I'm sorry. Verse 9. Resist him. Okay. How do you resist? You ignore the roar, right? You ignore the roar and you've taken the only thing giants or your adversary really accomplishes. You see it? Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Um, Verse 10, and this goes to what we talked about last week, but may the God of all grace who called us to his, his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. That's what you're called to, right? You're going into his glory. After you've suffered a while, what, you all remember the key verse either last week or the week before about enduring? What's the result of enduring? Reigning. High five. Who's got it? Air high five. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Right? That's the reveal. Do you know how you reign with him? Your true identity is revealed. Being who you are is spiritual victory that that crashes into the physical. That's reigning with him. And that's what this is talking about. In case you're doubting me, it says it just next. It says, after you've suffered a while, so after you've endured, 
perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's the promise on it. If you were to choose four words for what reigning is, it would probably be those four words, right? That's the definition of reigning. So I'm going to put this out there before we move into the really good stuff. Um, so giants, they stand out there. Um, if they accomplish anything, if we were to stretch and say that giants in your life, the issues, the problems, the stinky stuff, you know, sometimes, well, I'll spare that. Giants in your life. I didn't get myself in too much trouble too quickly. Um, they stand out there. What, what do they actually accomplish if you want to give them a little credit for something? They're scary. That's good, okay? So they, they accomplish changing the way we're thinking and feeling, right? And ultimately does what? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. That's, yeah, what you got? They're in the way. That's it. I, that's really where I'm going. That's awesome. They're in the way. In other words, they, if they accomplish anything, it's hindrance. It's just delay. If you consider hindrance or delay a great accomplishment, then giants are, can be very powerful. <laughs> and I'm going to show you that. I don't really consider that an accomplishment. We're going where Paul said. We're going to bring them down. Um, so go with me. I want to show you an example um, of exactly how they operate because I want that to be our platform to move into um, how easy they are to bring down. So go to Numbers 13 and verse 26. Haven't even been tempted with the paper wad yet? Not, no? You have? Because you, you got the scriptures. You know how I'm, I'm messing with everything. <laughs> That's why I don't give it to you. Okay, Numbers 13. I always forget if I gave you the verse. 1326. Okay, you're going to know this, but this is Joshua just before he enters the promised land, right? And um, in fact, I'm not even going to preface. I'm just going to read in. It says, Now therefore they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Now this is the scouts coming back. Um, I should give you more context. They've sent the scouts back out. The scouts come back with a report about whether they should go and conquer the land. Um, and let me put this out there. I'm just going to say for, for people that aren't here all the time, um, we say this all the time. The, the Old Testament narrative is a physical picture of the, of the spiritual reality you're walking in right? Every word of it. It's a perfect picture. So we're reading a spiritual picture of the warfare that you're in, right? Okay. And it goes on and says, they brought back words. So the scouts brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Can you imagine? I know you've seen this before, but they're like, we got proof. Where God's taking us is good. Is where he's taking you good? Okay. You got to hang on to that. And then it says, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now I want to tell you, just in case um, you're not, you, you don't know this, anytime you see Anak or the descendants of Anak, um, that's code for giants. Okay, those are giants. So what did they do? The scouts went out, they look into the, to the, to the valley, and they see that a particular region, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute, but in a very particular location is giants, and it becomes their entire report. They bring it back. It's their entire record. Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. So they, they're naming all these people in locations, but literally smack in the middle is their observation of giants. And then there's Caleb. Then there's the spirit of Caleb. 
Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So I'm gonna move quickly through this part, but I just wanna show you this. You are seeing a particular type of warrior in Caleb in this moment where he's not paying attention to the general report. The general report always pays attention to the giants. The giants form a reputation all through scripture every time you read about them. A reputation of fright, a reputation of being in a particular place. Okay, and Caleb is unwilling to have that be the report. You got it? Verse 31 goes on and says, but, um, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. You know that means evil report? A bad report of the land which they'd spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. That's code for giants. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And now listen, here's why I'm taking the time to do all this. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. What's that saying? So what's the job of the giants? The job of the giants is to convince you about falseness about your identity, who you are. The way they stand in the way is inspire fright. Is it in your identity to be fearful? Okay? The reveal of the sons of God. Do you know you have more strength in you than you know you have yet? You have more beauty than you know you have yet. You have more creativity than you know you have yet. Do you know um, how we, as the sons of God, accomplish the impossible thing? You know you're called to the impossible, right? <laughs> Are you convinced? <laughs> you're called to the impossible. Now, how do you overcome impossible situations? Yeah, yeah, all the answers are right, okay? I, I love when, <laughs> I love hearing the diversity <laughs> in the body of Christ when you ask an open-ended question like that. But I'm going to put out there that creativity is the way, the way the impossible is overcome. How did David defeat the giant? They had their standard ways. They had armor, which David found out didn't fit him. You know, they would use spears or swords or whatever, and, and everybody else was convinced that it was impossible. And in faith, so that's a right answer, he was inspired into the creativity of God, and he went about it in a completely untraditional way that made taking down Goliath no problem at all. In fact, Goliath was never a problem, and I'm going to show you that, unless you're frightened of him. Actually, let me put this out there. Oh boy, here I go. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, how did David even discover there was a Goliath problem? He was told. So, you know what happened? If you read carefully, this is what was happening. God said, go this way, and there was a giant there in the way. So what they did was, instead of marching forward and going that way, they set up camp um, in the idol of fright. They set up camp and just kind of sat there on the wrong side of the valley. God said, go that way, and they're like, yeah, but there's a giant down there. Well, I know, but I'm your God, and I go with you. Go that way. Well, yeah, but there's a giant down there. So they set up camp until they ran out of food. And so David got sent out to bring him lunch. I mean, I don't know. The word of God doesn't tell us exactly like if, if a week was too long or if they were there for a month or I don't know how long they were there. But Goliath had been there so long. I mean, the situation had gotten so stinky, Goliath had mold growing on his butt. 
he was in the way that long. Do you all have situations in your life where it got, it got so stinky after? I mean, it's been around so long in your marriage, in your family, in your church, in your business, you name it. There's some impossible situation that's big and scary. You don't know what to do with it. And it's been, so, it's been there so long, it's got mold growing on its butt. That's, what hap- that's how David got involved In the first place, he was sent to bring them lunch because they ran out of food. They'd been camped out from the fear of Goliath that long. And he gets there and he's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, there's a giant down there, right? And he's like, yeah, but didn't God say go that way? Didn't God say he was with us? And they're like, well, yeah, but there's a giant down there. And he, the way he thought, you see, he's a giant killer, (laughs) <laughs> like Caleb and Joshua. He couldn't think. He's like, you guys, what, what's, what's the matter with you guys? <laughs> he's got that spirit of let's go at once. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go back to the... <laughs> Did I ever read chapter 13, verse 26, Numbers? You're still waiting for... The, no, okay, good, good. Thank you. Thanks for that help. Okay, so I want to move to this next point because what I'm going to do, I'm going to lay out a couple of things that are true about giants and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get a fine point on who you are. The region where the giants are always, um, are always centered or where they congregate was called the Valley of Rephaim. Okay? In other words, it's a particular place. And you got to see that. What place is that? If this is a physical picture of the spiritual reality you live in, um, what is that place? That place is, uh, and that's, let me tell you this before I do that. The location of this place is the reason it was in the initial report of whether they should go to conquer the promised land. And this place Um, is literally the place that is between their past that brings them right up to their present and the glorious future God's calling them into. That's this valley. I want to tell you that giants are not random. Are you facing something stinky? You You have something that just crashed into your world or it's moldy, it's been around a while. Either way, um, God is providing the giants for your reveal. Why? Now, now listen to this. If you've got strength that you don't know you have, how do you find out you have it? <laughs> Are you catching it? If you've got creativity, the creativity of the throne room of God in your identity, more than you know you have, how do you find out you have it? God will give you a giant. You see? You see this, this treasure in earthen vessels. What is it? That the power is, is God and not me. How do you find out that the power in you is God and not you? You see, because you are not God. And God's plan is for you to know that he's in you, that he's formed in you. How does that get out? How does that identity get out? Giants. You see, when you kill a giant, you're revealed. The sons of God are revealed. I'm going to show you in the word of God, but right now, I just before I even move on, I need you to know whatever that thing is that just came up in your life or that thing that's, that's ridiculously stinky because it's been around for far too long, whichever it is, it is in the sovereignty of God. It is the issues of life that are trying to inspire fright instead of faith, trying to make you little instead of big, dull instead of creative and it's 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 everything that is from your past the lies and wounds that speak to the present where you stand right now and the glorious future that he's calling you into it is not random that it that is the exact place where your giant is standing because god's standing there going no wait watch watch what my kid does <laughs> My kids never let him stay forever. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing over you. Are the giants standing there against just anything? No, not just anything. 
against your incredible, glorious identity in Christ. That's where they're standing. You think of scriptures that say you could turn to the left or right, but you're never supposed to turn to the left or right, right? Giants are trying to get you to turn to the left or right. In your marriage, in your ministry, in your parenthood, wow, this is an impossible problem. Sweet, I've been waiting for an impossible problem to have my identity revealed. This is going to be cool. Guys, watch this. That's how we should think. That's what the Word of God tells us about giants in your life. Okay. Uh-oh. No, it's okay. We got plenty of time. Um, okay, do this with me. Go to, um, go to Deuteronomy chapter 2, and I want to start about verse 10. And these are, the, these are the scriptures you purposely don't have, and it's okay. In fact, I'm not going to let you turn with me. You still haven't thrown anything at me, so I'm doing all right. You're probably not going to be able to turn fast enough to keep up. But in this case, I'm on verse 10. And I want to start showing you the names of these giants because it's, it's uncanny when you start looking at the names of the giants and where they are, how that speaks into the reality of your world in a spiritual war. Okay? So here in verse 10, I want, you to, I want to show you that these giants are named the Emim, which literally means an idol of fright. And in this case, if you go to verse 13, the Lord directs them to fight the Emim, the idols of fright, in the, in the valley of Zared, which, is, which literally means exuberant growth. Your giants are for your exuberant growth. You see why I'm going the next time? I hope that the next time you, f- you face a giant, and, and I, I just, I'm praying in the Lord even right now that um, the next time you see that big, scary, ugly um, problem in the way, that, that what you're inspired to think is, is God put this here for me. This is, this is here for my reveal, to reveal how powerful I am, to reveal how amazing I am. Go ahead and say I'm amazing. The giants are there just to, just to get you to where your identity is out. Your amazingness to come out, okay, in exuberant growth. Of course, it would be in the valley with the giants where your exuberant growth would be. You see it? Okay. In Deuteronomy 2, I switched books, didn't I? Numbered. Oh, no, it's still the same chapter. Cool. Um, verse 20. Um, if you look at the original language, in this case, literally, the, the giants are called Zoom Zoom. Great name, huh? Um, it's translated um, uh, Zoom Zoomim, <laughs> which now you've got to get a load of this. It means intrigued or enamored with the bad report or reputation. Is that uncanny or is it just, am I having a party by myself? (laughs) I'm going to read that again. Intrigued or enamored with a bad report or reputation. That's the giant's job. Do you all have a situation that you've become intrigued? And by situation, I mean a bad one. Something in your way, something keeping you from the progress you know God's spoken for you, for the good things in the land of the fruit, where your fruit is and there's a giant in the way, and you've become intrigued with it. Just me. Great. I do that all the time. I'm going to tell you that's the goal, and I find that I can do that. I can be, man, I can be in the faith. I can have the Spirit on me. We are going good places. And I can hear one word from somebody, and I can get so enamored with it, I've got a giant. (laughs) You following? Other times it's a bigger deal. Other times I can struggle for six months or years where I know God wants me to go this way, and I got enamored with some frightful, scary thing, some impossible situation that just doesn't lend itself to what God has spoken over me. 
Anybody else? Don't leave me alone. And it can sit there, right? It can, it can be in the way. And I just think it's uncanny that they literally, in their times, they called these partic- this particular community of giants, all in the same region, intrigued or enamored with the bad reporter reputation. Now, in this same passage... If you keep reading, um, in fact, let's see, go with me too. Did I miss the part of the place of your fruit? You know, I'm just going to tell you this. We may run into it, which means we'll do it twice. You're welcome. Um, But giants are also in the place of your fruit. One of the names that they name the giants is, uh, is literally, their name means, I'm in the place of your fruit. (laughs) See, it's the reveal of the sons of God. Giants are strategic, and we should practically celebrate when we see one. Why? Because when we face them and bring them down, we're being revealed. We need to fear nothing. The only thing giants do is inspire that fear. Now, I've got to show you this. I'm going to remind you, zoom, zoom, and I'm going to read it one more time. Intrigued or enamored with the bad report or reputation. Now, go to verse 24. It's a bit of a skip. It says, rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. You know what Arnon means? Give a shout of joy. That's what Arnon. So cross over river, give a shout of joy. Look, I have given into your hands Sihon, which means wipe away. That's what that name means. The Amorite, king of Heshbon, which means like worldly intelligence. Now listen to me, you got it? In other words, cross over the river into shout of joy and wipe away the worldly intelligence that seems to stand in your way. And that's not why we're reading this, so keep going with me. And it says, and his land began to possess it and engage him in battle. Now keep your finger there, I'm going to keep reading. But I want you to know, and this is a passage that is all about giants. This is not just a random take the land passage or go into battle passage. This is literally a passage about giants, the the zoom zoom. (laughs) It's about that. And the words are action words that say engage him in battle. Now I want to tell you something that's unique about giants in our spiritual battle. Um, Have you all ever had a moment where you've faced something um, that you know is spiritual battle, and, and you prayed over it, and the Lord removed it. Me too. That wasn't a giant. <laughs> Do you know how I know? Giants always require a call to action. They always require you to face with faith, unhindered faith, and, and, and go out against it. The spirit of Caleb who says we should go at once. Or the spirit of David who's going, what are you guys doing here? Aren't we supposed to be going that way? That spirit is what overcomes giants. Now, I have a question for you. Why does God require our overt action inspired in faith to take down giants? It's to grow. It's because it's for your reveal. <laughs> I promise you, every time you read about giants, you're going to see that God has them strategically placed between where they are and the glory he wants to bring them into, and it requires faith-filled action in obedience to face it head-on, and it reveals identity when you take out a giant. I heard a tiny woo-hoo, but I mean... I'm <laughs> Which I'm not, that's not derogatory because at least you gave a little (laughs) woo-hoo. Let's take down some giants. Now, this is really why I'm reading it. Um, And this is is so big. I want you to see God's heart over you. Because I'm going to tell you something. You don't have the courage. You don't have the faith unless you're grounded in the love. Unless you know that the whole purpose of all of it is because you're a wonder and he wants that revealed. He's nuts about you and all of creation is waiting for you to be revealed. That's the warfare. That's his victory plan. 
that is your beauty, your strength, your creativity as the Holy Spirit fills and releases your identity. That's the plan. So here's the best news ever, verse 25. This is God speaking over them, and he says, This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Do you know what we just read? He just turned it completely upside down. Um, Remember that this is in the same passage where the giants are literally named, intrigued or enamored with the report or reputation. You see, in other words, in other words, the giants in this passage are having a reputation of fear. I don't go there, right? I don't go there. Um, well, the church is supposed to go this way, but you know what? There's, there's issues over there. We don't go there. <laughs> I know God has a greater glory plan for my marriage, but we don't go there. Okay, there's, there's a fear, there's a reputation of something fearful, something untouchable. You don't go there. You tracking? But the good news here, God just says in verse 25, what's he say? I'm just going to read it again. I'll begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations. You see, it's turned upside down. Giants are specific, the issues and the things in your life whatever area you want, to, you want to talk about, are for your reveal. It is literally to turn it upside down, to reveal the sons of God as the ones who are to be feared. You think issues are to be feared? You think that, prob, that stinky problem that's been sitting around for 10 years is the thing that's to be feared? God's heart over you is to turn it upside down, to put the dread of you... <laughs> on this world, on the issues, the problems. The power of God is what this world better dread. You got it? Who shall hear the report of you? Go ahead and say this with me. Wait until they hear the report of me. <laughs> you tracking? I don't know, that's just really fun to me. When you start to realize it starts to make verses like... Um, like um, he promises that um, all things come to good for those who love him and are called to his purposes. I've been angrier at that verse more than probably most of the verses in the Bible for most of my life. I'm thinking, that's stupid. <laughs> right? But when you know this kind of stuff, you get it. It's just, it's all about his crazy love over you and that's it. <laughs> if you run into a giant, it's because he's allowed it. And he's sitting there going, watch my kid. No, hold on, just wait a second. Watch, wait for my kid. Watch this. <laughs> because he knows your true identity. He knows you're a giant killer. Your father. Somewhere here, in fact, somewhere in the too many notes that I brought, there's bragging that goes on. You know he brags over you? I'm just going to tell you about it since I can't find it. He brags over you. That's what this is all about. I guarantee it. Why else would he make the victory plan the reveal of your identity in him? (laughs) Because it's a love plan. He's up there going, I think he's up there continuously just sitting there going, watch this. No, just, just wait a second. Wait for, watch Dave. Watch what he does. I know he's been letting that stinky problem sit there for 10 years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just wait. He's going to say what? <laughs> no, we all got him. We all got the ones that just showed up and we got the ones that we, we camped out until we ran out of provisions. <laughs> now it's a really big problem because we need somebody to bring us lunch. We, got, we all got him, right? But I think he's just sitting up there. He's bragging about us and he's going, just hold on a second. Just, just watch him. And he's, he's elbowing, going, hey, hey, watch, watch that kid. I, I think this is the moment. He's going to bust out and slay a giant. Fear's not going to win anymore. And I think he wants to grow us to the point that the moment we see a giant, 
<laughs> right? We've already done the let giants camp out in my life for a decade. <laughs> he wants to bring us into people who the moment we see a giant, a big scary thing that wants us to think it's bigger and scarier than God is, or what's the truth? When, God, when Christ is formed in me, bigger and scarier than I am, what did God just say? He turns it up upside down. He says, uh, he says, the world, the report is going to be you. The report's going to be you. That's winning the war. Giants. See, we've got to get past that place where we think the w life can present us with an issue that surprises God or presents us with an issue that's bigger than we are. <laughs> it's, we're getting a little louder. We're getting some louder woohoos now. <laughs> no problem can be as big as you the way God sees you filled with the Spirit. Now, I should put this clarification out there so nobody like leaves discouraged or, or runs into something. You do read places um, where they face the giants. Perhaps we'll teach about it sometime. Um, but where they face the giants and there is quite the process. Okay? They bring the spirit of Caleb, the spirit of Joshua, the spirit of David that these giants can't stand and they make a game plan. They face it. Um, and yet there's this process of going back and forth with the Lord. And there's one place where he gives them an entire game plan, which takes time to do, where he says, you know, they're, they're, when you hear them marching through the trees, then do this and do that. And he gives them game plans. Okay, so I don't, I don't want to give the impression it should be instantaneous every time. I find that a lot of times giants are instantaneous. Anybody else? As soon as I can write... My faith, I've seen God before, right? Anybody else seen God? I've seen him move mountains with my seed of faith and, and correct the contrary ways of thinking. I've seen him wipe out giants in my life. And yet I can still be really pathetic. We're like, man, last week he wiped out the most ridiculous giant you've ever seen and this week another one shows up and I'm like, oh no, as if that didn't just happen. But the giants are always for your reveal. And that's it. That's the bottom line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start wrapping up. I'm going to um, just show you one more thing, I think. Yeah, we have to do this. Uh, Numbers 14 and verse 6. We might get a louder woo-hoo on this one. <laughs> okay, but Joshua... I love it. Some of my favorite words are, but God. <laughs> but the truth is, Joshua is such God's man. He's such a giant killer that it, it's almost the same thing to read, but Joshua. He's a man who slays giants for God, which is what this passage is about. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, another giant killer, the son of, um, however, Jephanua, um, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes why are they tearing their clothes? <laughs> I bet every answer was correct because you guys are awesome like that. Um, they te they're tearing their clothes because they're, they're, they're with a people who are, who are not thinking like giant killers, who are letting the giants make the fright, right? And so, um, no, I'm not going to go there. Okay, so verse 7, And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. So they start there too. i, I got to tell you, it's not coincidence. And, and we really shouldn't skip over the fact that every time we're talking about these giants, what's out in front is an exceedingly good land. It's the place of your fruit. It's the words God is speaking over you. It's the reveal of your identity. That's an exceedingly good land. But that's not why we're reading this. Uh, verse 8, um, if the Lord delights in us, is what he says next. 
I don't think he's saying if the Lord delights in us. I actually think he's a giant killer, so I think he knows the delight. You see, and it's so critical. If the Lord delights in us, I think what that's really saying is if you know If you know how the Lord delights in you, <laughs> you're a giant killer. He says it right here. He says, he says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. He delight. you cannot imagine the way he delights in you, the way he's bragging about you in the throne room waiting for you to march toward the giant. He put the giant there on purpose because like creation, your good father, he cannot wait until you're revealed. He's going, hold on a second. You're about to see more beauty in my daughter here. Just watch this. No, don't talk to me right now. I'm watching. <laughs> If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. How do we rebel? We believe something other than him, like a stinky, scary giant with moss growing on his butt because it's been here too long. That's rebelling. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I can't even touch that, or for sure you'd have to throw that paper at me. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. If the Lord delights in us. <laughs> Raise your hand if the Lord delights in you. Ah, <clears throat> oh, the Lord delights in you. 